ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened to you. And our Lord says to you all, you have knocked and I have opened the door. You are seeking and you have found me. You have asked and you shall receive. Tonight I'm going to be talking about continuing, our continuing growth after the uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. To develop your relationship with Jesus Christ takes an intentional plan. All the things that we have ever done in our lives that we have done well, we have had, we, ha we have succeeded because we have made a plan. We worked to make it happen. It's the same with our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask for the grace to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given besides. Uh, besides. I found, as Joe had spoke uh, several weeks ago when he came up, he talked about the many essential steps to your spiritual life. Uh, the first step being that you would have a to have a relationship our Lord, with our Lord Jesus Christ. And the releasing of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is to spend the time with our Lord each day, giving him first place. Uh, so in order to do that, so many of us are very busy. And if you get out of the bed and start moving without having said your prayer, you might find that it's noon or after supper time or sometime in the evening and that you still haven't prayed. And so it could be a very good habit for you when you first open your eyes to offer your day to the Lord before you even step out of the bed and to give him your heart and to ask him at that time to use you in the day. And doing that, he will certainly take you up on it and he will show you the different people put put the people in your path that will need you that day somebody who will need a smile of encouragement someone who will need who you might be able to speak to somebody who you see um, that is suffering and you can see, now you might not have seen it before but now you can see it on their face and so you can take that time and extend them a word of encouragement and maybe even they will be open to uh, stopping and praying with you at that time. Another good practice that has been encouraged is uh, to pray a family rosary. Some of us don't have other family members who will pray a rosary with us, but if you do, uh, there is great power in uniting together in family prayer. Um, also a good habit would be at mealtimes with your family to take the opportunity to uh, reflect on some of the blessings of the day and the things that our Lord has done where you have seen him, the many different gifts that he extends to us every day. Also, we've um, learned through St. Faustina about the great gift of our Lord's divine mercy that he extends to us, and it's a great practice, and what our Lord said to St. Faustina was that the chaplet of divine mercy is an extension of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, which is the most powerful prayer. So if possible, to be able to say a chaplet at three, uh, there's great power in that. 
but if you're not able to say a chaplet at the three o'clock hour, you can just gently turn your mind to our Lord and envision him on the cross and say that just that simple prayer, Eternal Father, I offer you your Son's most precious body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to atone for our sins and those of the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. And just that simple prayer, remembering that our souls are saved through our Lord's sacrifice on the cross. The fourth thing that is recommended for spiritual growth and essential is our spiritual reading. First place, going to the scriptures. And a great place to, um, to start if you're not already in a, a Bible study or studying, you know, we would put the Gospels and then go to the Acts of the Apostles. But to, if, to follow the, the readings of the church, the, the daily readings of the church, and to go through those in a slow and meditative way in the evening would probably work best for most people because everyone is so busy. But um, the thing that you'll find when you're reading the scriptures is that Jesus says that the scriptures are alive. The word of God is alive, living, and a two-edged sword. And you will find that when you read it, that it works perfectly for what's happening in your life because God is all-powerful and he'll speak to each one of you where you are in your life with that particular scripture. Uh, the, the fifth thing that's recommended is reading the lives of the saints. Um, I remember at the beginning of my reversion, which was when I was 29 years old, I read the story of St. Therese of Lisieux, and I didn't know that we could love God like that. I had never heard of anything like that. She, well, all the saints want to love the Lord with their whole heart and their whole mind and their whole soul. And that's what our Lord calls us to. But having never read the life of a saint, I just never knew that such a thing was possible, such a life was possible. And I never knew, even having gone through Catholic school, um, probably having had the teaching, but somehow I didn't hear it and it didn't go into my heart. I didn't understand the power of uniting your sufferings or even the possibility that we could take part in the sacrifice of our Lord um, and unite our sufferings to him for the conversion of sinners and to know that we had that our Lord granted us that gift to be able to have a part in his sacrifice and to have a part in being able to save souls and to see that Therese fully embraced that and not that she would love suffering for the sake of suffering, but that she embraced her suffering for the sake of the kingdom of God and for the salvation of souls. The sixth uh, recommendation is 
for our spiritual growth is your daily examination of conscience. And St. Ignatius of Loyola will tell you that without your daily examination of conscience, it's not possible to grow because you can't grow unless you self-reflect. And so the purpose of um, the examination of conscience is not to condemn yourself, but to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you in order to free you and to cleanse you and to purify you, to strengthen you. And so the examination of conscience is uh, to be done in, in a positive light in the evening, thanking our Lord for all those blessings that he gave you during the day, seeking, looking for them, looking for how he met you in the day, and then asking him to show you the ways that you didn't love him, the ways, the ways that he needed to be loved in others around you that you didn't um, measure up in the way that you, you could have had you availed yourself to the graces that were available. And it's never helpful to be discouraged about it or to beat yourself up. That's not the purpose of the examination of conscience. Uh, to, to rejoice in the fact that our Lord suffered and died and was resurrected so that your sins might be forgiven and to rejoice in the fact um, that he's, as Father Corey said, he, there's more joy in heaven over a repentant sinner than the 99 that didn't have to repent. So that was another thing I learned from St. Therese was that when she was young, she would run to her father and tattle on herself when he got home. She would run and tell him the things that she did that she wasn't supposed to do because she had such confidence in his love. And as she grew and matured and went into the convent, she had that same confidence in, our, in her heavenly father that she had in her father, her earthly father, that she could run to him and tell him her sins, not joyful in her sin itself, but joyful in the mercy of God. Number seven is the sacraments. When I first came to my uh, reversion, I was a very um, overly sensitive about my sin, and I was running to the church in the morning <laughs> to the priest on a, almost a daily basis to catch him before he started the Mass to see if I could confess. I did that for a long time. Uh, God bless him, he was very patient with me. But um, the, the sacrament of confession did give me a lot of freedom and a lot of healing, and, um, it, and it did all those things that our Lord, you know, that our Lord promises, to set the captives free, to heal those wounds that are inside of you. And, uh, you know, so many great graces came from that. And we know from Father Corey's homily uh, not le uh, two weekends ago, that when you go to the sacrament of reconciliation on a regular basis, then because the most powerful prayer is the holy sacrifice of the Mass, you can be coming to the Mass and you can be saying to yourself, I'm receiving our Lord's precious body and blood every week. I'm present at the sacrifice every week, but yet there doesn't seem to be 
I don't seem to be changing. My heart still seems to be the same. I'm not getting anywhere. And in that case, you can ask for the light of the Holy Spirit to show you what it is that in your life that some sin that you're harboring. And I had this experience um, recently in that I was having this happen to me over the last couple of years. And our Lord convicted me in that it was, um, it was, I, it was um, unrepentance from resentment that I was bearing towards somebody who was hurting somebody that I loved and that I needed to forgive this person and to pray for this person even though I know that this person was not going to be sorry, that they did not know, even know that they offend um, and probably will not know until they enter the kingdom of God. And so regardless of the, of the fact that I'm not, they don't, they don't understand and then I'm not going to get an apology or see something change that I have to love this person and love them into conversion. Uh, of course, the holy hours. There's, I think I, I would say that if there was something that had the greatest impact on my life, it would have to be the time that I spent with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and having time to sit and speak to him and um, just be in his presence and Yes, we love to come and, and pray and say different prayers to him, but for me, the most powerful part of being in the presence of our Lord is to converse with him, uh, to sit and speak with him, and then listen to see what it is that he has to say to me, how he wants to guide my life. And I know that this was not something that was always a part of my life. My mother had told me early on that our Lord would speak to me in the Blessed Sacrament. And um, I spent, I don't know, months, I think, in uh, coming to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and sitting and listening and, uh, and walking away and saying, well, I guess you're not going to speak to me today, Lord. Okay. And then I'd come again, and then I'd say the same thing. And then eventually I heard, our Lord speak to me, and it isn't in an audible voice. It's, a, it's he's speaking to you in your mind. And at the beginning, you can, you can be thinking to yourself, oh, I'm just making this up myself. But you will understand shortly that it is not you making it up yourself because the content of what is being said is often not what you would tell yourself. <laughs> it's sometimes cha quite challenging. Okay, so um, number eight is to seek your mission from the Lord. Our Lord has a mission for every one of us. He has something that only you can do, and he will reveal that to you. You spend time with him, you ask him, you listen, and he will show you. But there is also just the daily service of reaching out, as I said, to those around you that our Lord will put into your path. The ninth thing on the list of growing is community. Community is an essential part of your spiritual growth. A small community like this is so powerful because sometimes when you get into a larger church like this, it's hard to make friendship and relationship 
with, you know, inside of this large group. But having this small group together provides sharing of stories, faith stories to help to build up your, help build each other up. We provide each other with support and encouragement, friendship, shared values, sound Christian examples and advice, because you know well that if you go in search of the truth and you're having an issue in your life and you've got something that you're dealing with and you talk about it with friends or family that are not, have not given their hearts and their lives over to our Lord Jesus, what they tell you is going to be the message of the world. It will not be the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's one of the main essential parts of being part of a small, strong community is having that voice of our Lord to speak to you when you have question, when you have problems, when you have needs. And of course, the, all the prayer support that we, grant, we give to one another. I can say that I have been very thankful for this community I have received all of these gifts from you over these, these past few months. And I'm very thankful for everybody's prayers, everybody's encouragement, everyone's friendship, and everyone's support. I want to speak to you next of the power of praise. We know Ephesians 6.12 tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of this present world of darkness. Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Praise to the Lord softens hearts. Praise to our Lord brings repentance. Praise to our Lord restores relationships, makes us moldable, and defeats the enemy. And I know that in these past seven months that I had a very, a very difficult time. And Father Corey told me to um, handle it like you handle any temptation. And the power of the praise is what, gave, is what finally gave me peace, was to say to our Lord, every time the enemy came, to say things, whisper lies in my ears and to torment me and to make me afraid to immediately turn to our Lord and praise him and thank him, to praise him and thank him, to praise him and thank him. King Jehoshaphat, in Second Chronicles 2021, King Jehoshaphat appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went before the army to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. The choir and orchestra went out ahead of the warriors, and it worked. The enemies were defeated, and Judah never even had to take out their swords. How many battles do we needlessly fight with swords of worry, shields of fear, and words of war? What would happen if instead we trusted that the Lion of Judah had already won the battle, 
what would happen in our lives if we put away our warring words and lifted our voices in praise. And that's what we do here. We come here together, we come here in community and we praise and worship the Lord. And you know, we know we don't have the most beautiful voices, but it's beautiful to him. And that's all that matters because he knows what we're here for. He knows that's in our heart. And so all those prayers that we're putting in that basket and all these situations that we have in our families, we're bringing them here. We're praying together as a community. We're, we're worshiping, we're praising, we're thanking our Lord. And that's where the power is. The power is in the praise. Now, as we've received this baptism in the Holy Spirit, we should, have, should be feeling desires, or deeper desire for prayer, for scripture, to please our Lord, to serve others, and to evangelize by sharing our joy with those around us. Some of us have felt these things, and some of us may not be feeling anything. But I'll share with you that I went through the Life in the Spirit seminar several times, and I did not feel anything. And it, I came to understand when I was 29 years old, and I had everything that the world should say would make me happy. And there was that hole in my heart, which I knew that only our Lord could fill. And I know my parents and this community, this young community, was praying for all of our conversions, for all of your children's conversions. And my parents were fasting, fasting on a regular basis on bread and water, mom making great big meals, putting those meals on the table and eating bread and water while her children were all sitting around the table eating a beautiful meal. And, it, and her, my parents' prayers and fasting was very powerful and very fruitful. And at the age of 29, I knelt in prayer before our Lord and in fear I saw myself and I was kneeling down and I could see the world represented as a globe and I was holding it to myself and I was not going to let that world go. No, I'm, I'm not. I can't let this go. I want all these things. I don't want to give it to you, Lord. I want these things. I feel like I need them. They're filling me up. But I knew that it wasn't filling me up. And so I saw our Lord and I, in my with my body and my mind I could see him reaching down to me and I raised one hand up and with the other hand I held the world and then I by the grace of God and the power of those prayers of my parents and the community I raised the other hand up and I gave him both of my hands and I said I surrender to you and I give you everything and I know that when you've experienced that you know what I'm talking about that rush of peace and joy and freedom that takes hold of you when you surrender to our Lord. I don't want to forget to mention the gift of my mother Mary because it wasn't long after that before I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, found a book on giving my heart to Jesus through his mother. And I would have to say that doing that 
A lot of people say it was a turning point in their life, and I, I know that it was a, a, it was a tremendous turning point in my life to be able to look at her example, to be able to um, have her intercession, to be able to have her lead me into a deeper union with her son. I'm sure that's she's the one that brought me here to be doing the holy hours. I was going to the Mass. I didn't even know what the Mass was for two years after I was going to daily Mass. I think it was two years later that I found out that we were present at the representation of Christ's sacrifice on the cross and that we have the gift of uniting ourselves to Christ's death on the cross and raising ourselves up to the Father as a sacrifice to the Heavenly Father for the salvation of souls at this representation of his sacrifice. I didn't know that. I think I was going to daily mass for two years when the priest said it. I just broke into tears. I was just stunned. Mother Mary, she's the one. She brought me. She brought me to her son. She brought me to the sacrifice of the mass. She brought me to the holy hours. And she doesn't do it for herself. She does it to give all the glory to God. I'm probably up here way too long. I'm going to go to this last page. <laughs> okay, let's see. Okay. Uh, yes. If we just will close our eyes, I'm going to end with this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. I ask you to convert my heart and my mind to love what you love and to hate what you hate. I give you permission to fill me as at the first Pentecost. I ask you to set me on fire with your love and your light and to use me to spread your truth and unite myself to you to bring you what you thirst for, your children. We praise you and we thank you, our dear Lord and God. We pray this prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, so everybody knows me by now. And um, on, with the testimony tonight, I'm going to combine just, it's just a little bit of mine with my dad's, um, with what took place with him after he received the, uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So when I was little, uh, being in the house with mom and dad, Richard and Lorraine, it was, it was always a place of, of security um, being there, it was a place of love, and being brought into to the Sacred Heart School over here just brought more and more of that of the love of the Lord into my life. I remember when I was little, coming in here, probably in first grade, and if I forgot my my hat at that time, the girls had to wear hats in church. If I didn't have any head covering, they just took a bobby pin and and pinned a Kleenex to my head. But um, <laughs> when they did that, they j there was something that 
that happened when they did that, that showed me how holy it was every time that I came into the church. And um, there were different times throughout the years there where I could just feel the Lord walking home from the school on a beautiful fall, windy day, and the leaves are all golden. And the, the wind was blowing, and I just felt like I was in a piece of heaven, and I was probably only eight, maybe eight years old. And throughout, throughout my years um, of growing up, that would happen to me frequently. I would walk out into the field behind our house, and um, one day I walked out, and the field was just this portion under a, a big tree was filled with the blue forget-me-nots and I remember just standing there in awe and thinking um oh I wish I had a statue of the Blessed Mother just to put right in the middle of these forget-me-nots so the Lord just throughout the years um kept showing me his mother and his presence and then I when I got into my teenage years over out of this school into the school of the world let me call it the Lance high school um things started to uh, to change where i would be pulled into different temptations that i never experienced before in my life and around 11th grade i saw dad starting to get sick and and, and friction started coming into the household between him and my mother and this was something that was just not not in my growing up years. It wasn't there before. And he would tell us later on this this started from he was reading horoscopes in the newspaper. He always read the newspaper, and the horoscopes were part of the newspaper. He didn't think it was any big deal. But as he kept reading these, they started to speak to him lies, lies. Um, you know about different things that in his about my mother and different th things in the marriage and um he got so sick from that that he had he was in a hospital for a while and um he told me that he could he just could hardly move he said he would walk and he, there was it was like something was sitting on his shoulders and he a year earlier, Bernard Lambert and Herb Manning from the area had, had given him a Bible, and he just put it up above the fireplace in the living room. And he didn't, he didn't read it. But when he got sick like that, he, he went to Bernard's office because he knew there was something special about these men. So he said he went up to the, to the courthouse where Bernard worked, and he said, um, can I, I need to talk to you, can you, can you pray with me, can you, um, he said, I, I'm just, I need somebody to pray, and Bernard said, he said, sure, he said, but I have to finish working, so, um, it'll be a few hours, so he went up to our property on Dynamite Hill and sat under a tree, and he said, the whole time that he sat under that tree, this weight was just something sitting on his shoulders, he couldn't even lift his shoulders up, so he said he quickly went back into town when he knew Bernard was getting off from work. And he went and he told him to meet him at his apartment. So when he got there, there was Bernard and Herb in the apartment. 
And they took him and down, sat him down and they said, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And he said, well, I didn't know what that meant. And I just said, yes, because I didn't know what else to say and I had nothing else I could do with myself. So he said, yes. And he said, they laid hands on him and prayed over him and guided him in giving his life to the Lord. So he said, he said, I got up and I, I didn't feel any different, any big, huge difference, except that that thing was gone off of my back, it, off of my shoulders. So he said he went home and um, he went to bed. And the next morning he got up and came down the stairs. Walk, he was walking past the living room where the, where the um, fireplace is. And he said something just stopped him and drew him back in there. And he walked over and pulled that Bible off the, off the fireplace. And he said, I took the Bible and I went out in the backyard and sat down and started to read. And he said, I could not believe what was taking place in these men's life in the scripture. He, he, he said, I read and read for hours all afternoon. And um, so... And he said, but he did get to a point where he couldn't understand some of it. And he told the Lord, if you don't open this up to me and I can't understand it, I'm not reading it anymore. And he said, um, the Holy Spirit opened up his mind, eyes to the scriptures and he was able to understand what was being said. But um, he, he told me to always ask for, for the guidance of the Holy Spirit before you start reading his word. And um, he worked down at the Salatex in Lons here. And he said, well, he was getting pretty excited about walking with the Lord because these different things were taking place with him. But, you know, again, this didn't happen right away when they prayed over him for this anointing. And um, so he's walking through the Salatex, and for years, well, he said he heard this voice behind him out loud say, well, he, he said, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, whatever you want me to do, just tell me and I'll do it. And he heard this voice say, stop smoking. And he said he just was fear-struck because he remembered his daughter Natalie circling all of his cigarettes for years trying to get him to stop. And he couldn't stop. He tried so many times to stop smoking. And he said, okay, he said, I can't do this, but if this is what you're telling me to do, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll do what you're saying. So he said he took his cigarettes out of his pocket and threw it in the garbage can in the Celotex, and um, a month later he realized that he hadn't had a cigarette. And he was totally delivered from that. He went for about a year long, and then he said he started having some desire for smoking, and he had to make his choice of not to at that time. And the Lord, he, he, just, he chose not to, and the Lord just carried him all the way through, you know, after that. But, um, so for the rest, it goes on from there. The charismatic renewal started, um, the prayer groups were going, and uh, the, the fire of the Holy Spirit was just, just incredible. I mean, we had the, the Holy Spirit conferences up in Holton going, and, um, so then that went on for years and it was just the most beautiful thing walking with walking with people that were real true
people to walk with. I, I let go of all of my um, friends so, that I used to have in the early years um, that, that continue, because I, of course, I made some, some big changes there with the no more, you know, with the stopping drinking that had taken place earlier and things like that. So I made changes, and when I had came, come into the prayer group, I thought, wow, these are really friends. These are true friends, real people, you know. And um, so to this day, it's just amazing to me how now, like Catherine said, when we have a problem or an issue, we come to talk to our brothers and sisters in the Lord, and they spiritually guide us through these things that are so heavy that we walk through down here. Um, not, not getting advice from the world, but getting advice from from and our assistance from them and you know it amazes me how they'll say all i will go back in my mind to some of my old ways of thinking and getting fretful and things like this and they'll start speaking scriptures and prayers and do this and you know guiding you through in the lord's way to, to go through the, these things in life so um life is totally different totally totally different people that you walk with um you know it's just a totally different way of handling things most of the time not all the time but um after after you've received the baptism it's it just goes it just gets better and better was that two minutes <laughs>